0: Good morning, morning. Um, um, Craig uh, told me last night, who's the general manager here, said that uh, you all look tired. Last night? No, you look tired when you were gathering for dinner, which I'm not surprised, but normally, unless it's a real cunt group, normally you don't get tired to the third or fourth or fifth day, and the last night when I'm pounding, this is the last two minutes of the Super Bowl you cunts and I go through my ranting and fucking raving screaming with tears running down my cheeks, that's when you look tired. But he says that you look tired yesterday. Which is interesting. Now by the fourth or fifth day you'll look tired in the morning, like right now. Right now you look kind of wide awake. By the fourth or fifth day it's interesting because You're draining emotionally on a sub-rosa level. Everybody know what sub No, anyway. On a uh, subconscious level. We'll use a word that you understand. On a a subconscious level, you're you're draining. You're draining. And uh, the... um, Which I always find amusing. I don't know why I find it amusing. It means the world's going to shit, really. It's you know, it's it's the millennials geometrically the world's going to cock. But um, if we've gone from the Spartan three hundred to you. Well then if I may. You know what I mean? Yes sir. You know what I think the difference is? What? Between the Spartan three hundred and you? <laughs> uh, okay. Be my guest. <laughs> I think that if we were raised in that kind of culture from day one. And if everyone that we knew was part of that, absolutely, there's a certain level of strength that you get from that and support. Yeah, absolutely. And and right here we're in a, a comfort zone. When we leave here and go back, that's when we're on our own fighting the Correct. Whether you're going to be a warrior or a warrior, okay. And I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that you're going to be. Uh, um, Warriors, uh, but you don't have to be alpha males to get this shit done. You just don't. There's only a couple, three, two for sure, arguably three alpha males on that list of Hall of Famers. The rest are, shall we say, politicians, consensus management, and all the things I don't believe in. <laughs> you know, um, the. Um, I had a, a guy in the military, I, I used to work for a guy named Gen- General Roy Atterbury. He was a one-star general, who retired as a two-star general. But his claim to fame, he's got the Medal of Honor, and as a general officer, you can make your own uniforms, like custard and you know those things you see in the movies, uh, General Custard at the Little Bighorn. So he never buttoned his blouse, in other words, his, co- his coat, his, his, what do you call it? And one of the reasons he didn't is because he smoked cigars, and he dropped ashes, and he didn't want to burn his blouse. So he was forever burning his fucking ties and shirts, but not his blouse. And he was from Texas, and he um, he got... Um, he didn't lose his leg, but I mean, they shot the shit out of him in the Korean War, so he kind of drug his leg, and he kind uh, wore of wore out the inside of his shoe. Because he, he, you know, he, he drug it like this. And he used to say, "Pina, you are the sorriest motherfucker in this man's army. How in the fuck did you get to be an officer?" And I said, "Sir, General Atterbury, I'm an officer and a gentleman." He said, "Well, we know you ain't no fucking gentleman, Pina." And so I'd go in the officers' club, and we'd be uh, uh, having drinks, and and General uh, Woodrow Vaughn, who was a three-star general, and General Roy Atterbury would be. They, they used to st- like to stand at the bar because uh, they uh, wanted to be. Uh, with the the junior officers, so I'm at the bar trying to mind my own business, being inconspicuous, and they say, "Hey, Pena, get your sorry fucking ass down here." So I I slide down next to him, and he says, "You're gonna buy us a drink." Now I'm I, I'm making I, I, a young second lieutenant at that time was making about three hundred two dollars a month, which was big money, three hundred two, up from a hundred and one dollars a month as a, 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 a no up from. $48 a month is a private, okay? Uh, and so, uh, but the drinks were like 25 cents for ten. cents no big deal. Uh, but when you're buying drinks for the entire motherfucking officer's club, I mean, you can go through $302 pretty quick. And especially when the, all the officers know that Pina, a fucking uh, scrub for a second lieutenant brand new is buying them. Then they're drinking doubles, triples, you know? They're leaving drinks on the ball. Leave, okay. And so they used to pound on me, and um, the uh, but all those guys were warriors, as you're talking about. They all had the same mentality, especially back in the '60s. In the '60s, you know, the, you know, they didn't, and even though I didn't go through SEAL training, they didn't send you home at, on the weekends for SEAL training, you know. Uh, but you're right; you're absolutely correct, and that's why I say you are who you show me your. your uh, your friends, and I'll show you your future. And you are who you hang around with. And just like Jim Rohn said years ago, and I've said for a long time, uh, you know, you're the average of the five people. Now, if your dad and your mom were Olympians, or your dad and your mom, uh, your dad was a four-star general, okay, uh, like yours, uh, and, uh, or your dad was uh, a hard-ass cop like mine was, who was in the CIA, and if you Google my father, Manny Pena, Manuel Pena, you will see that he is uh, allegedly, I, 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 allegedly been connected to 18 to 22 assassinations for the CIA. He was in, and uh, he is linked supposedly to the assassination of Martin Luther King, John Kennedy, Bob Kennedy, and Che Guevara. And my father was brought out of retirement to handle up, head up the investigation for the U.S. government for the assassination of Robert Kennedy. And they say what they did is they brought a hit man to come and cover up, that, well, that was the theory, okay, and they were always for everyone to interview him and do a documentary and they used to interview him, and, especially when he got real old, he used to just sit there and listen, like in The Godfather, you know, and listen and they said, well, Manny, uh, do you mind if we call you Manny? He says, oh sure, you can call me anything you want. <laughs> you know, anything you want. <laughs> but that's where I was raised. So you're absolutely right. And so that's, that's my reality. That's my comfort zone. Uh, you know, I, t- I talk about uh, two, um, we, we talk about commitment actually later today, but I'm going to do it now while I'm thinking about it. You know, the difference when I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Uh, Klaus Kleinfeld, who's up there in, uh, on the Hall of Fame, uh, uh, a number of years ago, um, I was supposed to meet him at the Frankfurt uh, airport, and uh, I was introducing him to some uh, luminaries. One of which, I believe, was the managing partner for uh, Price Coopers uh, for Germany. Um, and um, I was involved in a, a very serious accident in Cabo San Lucas, uh, racing dune buggies with my two sons. So when I showed up at the airport. Vinica, who some of you have talked to, right? Vinica, okay. (coughs) Bless you. you. Pushes me in in a wheelchair into this restaurant that they're wearing white gloves, tails, you know, just like you eat at home every day, right? White gloves and tails. Uh, And I'm slumped over like this. And I have one of these uh, uh, metallic uh, blankets, you know, that the Red Cross put on you when you're you know, you're almost dead. And so they push me, and I'm like this. And, and Klaus is about where Matt is. And, and I look up, and he said, God Almighty, Dan, what's wrong? What happened to you? Why are you here? <laughs> she pushes me a little farther. And I said, Whitaker, could you straighten my head up, please? So she takes me by the ear like this, and and kind of, pu- you have to know Winneka, Winneka's a tough bitch. She kind of pulls my head up like this, and I'm talking, so because I, I didn't want to talk to him like this, and I said, I told you I'd be here. Now what had happened to me, is I was racing dune buggies, and I, going about 50, 60 miles an hour, I hit a, a boulder, a rock, I didn't under the sand, and the dune boogie went up in the air and flipped and landed back down on me, and it cracked my sternum, collapsed all my lungs, punctured my liver, punctured my spleen, punctured part of one of the main vein, uh, things that go to your heart, um, broke eight ribs, did all kind of shit to me, almost died. And all the stories you hear about medicine in third world countries is true. Shattered my collarbone. My collarbone was just had fragments sticking out like this And so I told my oldest son whatever happens. Don't let me uh, go unconscious So every time I started to go unconscious he slapped me and so my younger son said are you fucking crazy? Dad's gonna fucking kill you (laughs) and every time I start to every time I start to go unconscious. He'd slap me so I go they get me into the hospital uh, and uh, Now I got bones sticking out my fucking shoulder and the uh, Mexican doctors Look at me like this is. We think you have a uh, fractured clavicle. (laughs) We we think. We think. You know, and I wasn't in the mood for any. And so then, and I happened. I had seven hundred dollars in my wallet, uh, and uh, that's exactly what my bill was. Seven hundred dollars cash. Like a coincidence. (laughs) Like a coincidence. Uh, It took me a couple of days. I finally got a plane out, uh, but I was there to meet Klaus. Klaus says he still remembers that when he thinks he's he's got a cold or he's not going to go to a meeting. He has a flashback from that. Now why was I like that? Well, the reason I was like that is because when I was six years old, I landed in Le Havre, France. My dad was a head of the um, CID, Criminal Investigation Division of the United States Army Europe during the Korean War. Uh, And uh, uh, my mother and I uh, sailed across the Atlantic to meet him. And he he said, I'll pick you up, son. He uh, a long distance phone call. A long distance phone calls in those days you couldn't hear and it was all scratchy. I'll be there, son. Okay. So he's at Lahav, He picks me up. He picks us up. So I go to put my arms around him to give him a hug. I bring my hands back, like in a horror movie. Massive, just blood, all over. So I said, Daddy, Daddy, what happened? What happened? Said, Don't worry about it. Son. Don't worry about. It. And he takes me you know, like this. just walk to the limo or the, where his driver was. He had just had surgery. They took a tumor out of his back. And he wouldn't let them put them under a general anesthetic, only a local. And he had a 45 automatic on his chest with mirrors to watch the surgeon. Because he had a lot of top secret information. He was the head of the CID, etc. Uh, and uh, just stitch me up. I gotta go pick up my son. So when you've seen that when you're six you're not going to let all that shit that happened to me not fulfill a commitment now you might have a migraine or you've got diarrhea and you'll miss a meeting that's the difference when I tell you, of course the the corollary of that is when I say I'm going to fuck you up I mean I'm going to fuck you up that's just not, not a fucking metaphor. And when I say I'm accused of, I wouldn't say this on YouTube. I'm going to kill your children, your grandchildren, your goldfish, and everybody in your extended family. People believe me. Of course, that's all myth. That's all myth. The commitment, these guys understood. These guys can't spell it. Because la- the millennials are lazy cunts. And like I said, he'd have to convince me to put money in his deal that the millennials need to be survive this planet, which I don't believe they do. Now, I may be convinced, convinced different, and I'm going to take a lot of flack for this, but I don't give a shit. It's the truth. Now, speaking of flack, uh, Brian Quantum Leap Rose was on TED's program. I don't know what that means. TED Talk. TED Talk. I don't know what that is. Um, uh, but um, he, he gave, uh, apparently, the, the seminar, me, the castle, etc. a shout out again, which I still don't know what that means. Uh, and uh, But I haven't seen it yet, but I, I'm sure he did well. Um, because he practiced. Uh, and he, Now, he practices for a different reason. He practices because he's an MIT engineer, and a lot of uh, uh, what he does is associated with his self-esteem and so he likes to do things perfectly that's why his his um, YouTube things are so uh, orchestrated so well okay uh, thank you very much youtubers we'll talk to you later tonight